what's going on, guys? You're about to listen to episode 8 of Unboxed. If you haven't already, make sure you're following our podcast available on Spotify, iTunes, and Anchor. Also, be sure to check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, at Unbox Show, to stay updated on the latest episodes and other behind-the-scenes content. And please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like, comment, and share with your friends. And finally, we'd love to hear from you guys. Whether you have feedback on a previous episode or a topic you'd like to see us discuss, uh, be sure to email us at unboxshow at gmail.com, and we'll definitely respond to you 100% guaranteed. And, and now, now here's, here's the episode. episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Three, two, one. And, and now, now here's the episode. <laughs> so. And why did you change the tone? What would you? What's with the rhythm? Okay, okay, ready. Okay. Three, two, one. And, and now, now here's, here's the, the episode. episode. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Unbox. Today I'm your host Pauline and we're going to be talking about black people creating opportunities for other black people to emerge in the business world. And we're going to introduce our panel today. I'm David. Hi, I'm Kuzi. Hi, I'm Ola. Hi, I'm Ray. Okay guys, so let us know what you guys think in general about black people creating opportunities for other black people? I feel like it's... Uh, I don't mean to jump the gun there. No, no <laughs> go ahead. I feel like it's very necessary because, like, you know, like, literally, if we don't do it, no one else is going to take the opportunity or initiative to do it for us. So, I mean, we shouldn't be waiting for... Just, you know, somebody just start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and one thing that I should have mentioned is we'll be referencing... Um, People like Issa Rae and Jordan Peele, who are at the forefront of that right now in the entertainment industry. So Issa Rae said um, she was rooting for everyone black. So what do you guys think about that specifically saying that I'm just here for black people and that's it, pretty much? Do you think that that cuts out other people and you know, in terms of reverse racism and how, how are other races supposed to feel about this? I think if you think about it from like a creative perspective, like think about how Issa Rae came up, right? Her claim to fame is being on a show that really speaks to what it's like to be a young black woman trying to make it in the entertainment industry, right? Yeah. So for her, like, that's the narrative she's built and that's the success that she's attained, right? It has been in that specific genre, in that specific area. Right, so I think for her to say that it's true to herself because she—that's what she sees and that's what she wants to represent. She built a show in Secure that's very much predicated on the idea of being a young black woman trying to succeed in, you know, her I guess her professional career, right? And that translates into the entertainment as well because that's a story that's authentic to herself, right? So her saying that she's rooting for black people is because it took her a very long time to achieve that success as a black woman, right? And if you look at the cast, the cast is also filled with black people. So she, she's just radiating the same reality that got her to where she is today, right? Because having more such spaces increases the doors of opportunity and the doors of access for other young black creatives to then get the opportunities to express themselves, right? Because why was Insecure such a big hit? It's because it, it spoke to the experiences of a young professional that was of color, right? How many shows were like that on TV? Maybe not enough. And so I guess TV and entertainment is meant to reflect what's around you, right? The, the world that we live in. 
right? Mm-hmm. So I think Issa Rae tapped into that, and for her, she's realized that that's what, I guess, resonates most with her, and that's what makes her unique. So she's going to always, I think, be an advocate for that, which makes sense. Yeah, and I think for her case specifically, um, she was able to come in and fill in a space where there weren't enough diverse stories being told about black people, you know, where, you know, you have like the Tyler Perry's who was telling this like very one dimensional um, story about you know, the black experience, like a lot of female characters in his shows are like either like very crazy or like, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, or very like stereotypical yeah. black woman. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there weren't really a lot of other outlets or other people who were telling good enough stories. So she was able to come in and tell like a very nuanced story mm-hmm. about like, this is just black people existing being normal, like having relationship mm-hmm. issues, um, having, going through different experiences in the workplace. Like they're just normal, regular, like, you know, multi-dimensional characters, yeah. right? And exactly. so she was, people really connected with that. And I think that also is a reason why it's good, it was good for her to be intentional about like bringing in black writers, bringing in black producers, bringing in black directors. Mm-hmm. Um, because in a lot of other productions that you know feature like any black characters, mm-hmm. they're one-dimensional or uh-huh. they're just not, mm-hmm. they don't tell a good enough story about the black experience. And mm-hmm. so with her, she was able to tell a story which connected and became a good product, and that's how I think she's been able to win all these awards. And like her show has been renewed on HBO multiple times, and like she's doing well in everything because she's able to tell a full story about black people yeah. in a way which is still funny and relatable. So. Yeah, can we go back to the Tyler Perry thing because yeah, like initially years ago when I first watched Tyler Perry I actually liked Medea yeah, and all that stuff yeah. but then like recently I've been thinking like I feel like it's a bit problematic yeah. because yeah. also with men too I feel like the way he portrays black men sometimes yeah. like Diary of a Mad Black Woman mm. all that stuff yeah. it's like about this guy that um, essentially mistreated his wife mm-hmm. and then it was only after he became paralyzed that's when he realized he needed her mm-hmm. so I think like those kind of stereotypes mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. quite problematic mm-hmm. but then at the same time maybe he, he was like exaggerating it to get people's attention yeah. I don't know like, what you guys yeah, I mean, about that yeah Tyler Perry is funny it's funny you brought up Tyler Perry because I was thinking about that as well it's like Tyler Perry is one of those people where Absolutely, his characters, their caricatures, and all that. But he's, he, it's a delight. It's a, he's an enigma for me because when he first came out, less about his stories, but just more the fact that he owned his own production company. Yeah, yeah. He provided opportunities for a lot of he did. actors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, of color, black people. You know, um, in that sense. So, like, I actually respected that side of Tyler Perry. So it's kind of right. an interesting. He strikes me as a dilemma. I'm always have to separate like business and. And yeah. it's hard, but although mm-hmm. it is together in the end yeah. of the day. Um, so what you were saying about, yeah, maybe it first came out, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, you know, a lot of artists out there, they put out some sort of caricature characters to get attention. And then eventually yeah. they kind of maybe delve a bit deeper into the art. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Tyler Perry is just doing the same, same thing. thing. It's been like yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. don't think, on, in terms of the art side of it, I'm yeah. not a big fan yeah. of that. But for what he did in terms of platform. Yeah. You know, so literally he strikes us a dilemma. Every time even I was talking about mm-hmm. Tyler I was like, oh man, he's an interesting <laughs> case. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but in terms of platform, absolutely. I think it's, it's essential to 
provide that opportunity and create that, create that platform for, yeah. for black people because I believe it's, you know, you have an opportunity to get to the door and there's a lot of challenges that you're facing with any industry, you know, especially typically if you're a person of color, black person, a lot of times you're dealing with like non-black spaces or white spaces and things like that. And I mean, personally, I think we owe, it's kind of like a family. It's almost like, yeah, if I see if like, you know, if I say black people as my extended family, you have an opportunity. It's my moral obligation to provide opportunities for the family behind me in a sort of way not behind like in terms, but just that comes ahead of me. Yeah. that being said it doesn't mean that I mean we can go to this later but it doesn't mean that everyone needs to do it but I think I mean personally maybe I'll speak to that I think I have a, there's an obligation to at least be intentional about creating an opportunity for people like me essentially mm-hmm. what, what, what it looks like could be different yeah. and I think this is kind of where sometimes the social media gets a bit crazy because this person's not doing something for black people but there might be an intentionality that's behind mm-hmm. it that mm-hmm. might not necessarily look like what yeah. you think it should look like mm-hmm. so anyways that's yeah. I feel like the media is like a very big place where like if you're going to voice a certain way about like a black situation mm-hmm. or a black character like as a performer, I feel like you should be very, like, like very careful, mm-hmm. and, and be careful as the way that you feel, like voice a black person, you know, because a lot of people they will not have like a lot of black contact. So when you watch Medea, you assume that black people are supposed to be like this. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to like criticize them in any way. And I, like you said, I really appreciated the platform you created to give jobs to other black people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was kind of like you know shooting yourself on one foot like you're doing the right thing by the same time still damaging the yeah. view mm. of the black yeah, population yeah, to yeah, the masses yeah. so in the long run was he still doing it good or is he still yeah. helping us out yeah, was it yeah. and that's why I struggle mm. with him where like I can't watch anything he does. Yeah, <laughs> I really can't I think I saw um, one of his more recent ones but I, said, I didn't watch I didn't, my sister was watching I was like oh, yeah um, it was with Taj P. Henson, I think. She was like, mm-hmm. this, she had gone in a relationship with this guy, and like, he yeah. kind of like, um, he was struggling to like come up, and like, he was an inventor or something, and then eventually he uh, got ahead, but it was through a former lover of his, he cheated on her, and she went crazy and like killed both of them. So, that's the thing, like, this is, he does this consistently. Where, like, oh my god. He's like, crazy picture wow. of yeah. like extreme example of black people mm. where it's like I respect him like I, Black Panther was shot in his studio mm-hmm. like yeah. I respect oh, I him that. like he's done a lot for like mm-hmm. um, black entertainers because he yeah. came a long time ago in terms of like not like a super long time ago like but in what is happening in media now like he could be seen as like one of mm-hmm. the fathers mm-hmm. of like more black artists and directors and producers yeah. coming up. Yeah. But I just, I can't watch anything. Yeah. I, I can't do it. And so, for him, it's like, and I get it, with social media, like, a lot of people feel that way too. Like, a lot of people are kind of, like, just done with him. But, you know, you kind of have to explain that, man, like, there are a lot of actors and actresses and um, writers and directors who would not be in the position they're in now to give you what they're doing now that you mm-hmm. love without what he did. Mm-hmm. So, how do you, like, work with that and I also think about like he had to do and that, that's where it comes into being in an industry which is white dominated and working with an audience which is white dominated 
did he have to do those things mm-hmm. to appeal to them mm-hmm. and make all that money mm-hmm. and then turn around and then open more doors, doors. where he had to almost fall on his sword in a way where he's like I'm gonna just do these like terrible What's stereotypical it? movies which I know you're all gonna be entertained by mm-hmm. and make all this money and then open more channels. Was he appealing to white people though doing I think that? Was. Really? Because I feel like <laughs> like those like his jokes and stuff and this yeah, I guess Because maybe. when you look at what white directors, the movies they make or something, yeah. yeah, they it's have like the same types of characters. Yeah. Stereotypical mm-hmm. like black, yeah. you know, one dimensional characters, right? And it's only now that with more black directors coming in, like we're mm-hmm. seeing more well rounded characters. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. just did what they were doing, maybe to a more extreme example, mm-hmm. but he was doing the same. I want to touch on something you said there, but I'm going to take this on a bit of a tangent because you said Tyler Perry and Black Panther were shot in his studios. So I want to talk about foresight a little bit, right? So I think one of the key things to creating opportunities is being able to see beyond the curve. So seeing opportunities before they actually are realized, right? Because I think part of the whole idea of creating opportunities for people is being able to say, okay, we've got a room full of people. You guys have all these different talents. How can I maximize all of these talents, right? Beyond myself or like for the future. Um, now, the thing with Tyler Perry and just generally like Black Panther, which kind of has me concerned, or I, I think about this a lot, is if you think about it, I believe it's Marvel that owns yeah, uh, the Black mm-hmm. Panther series. Uh-huh. Marvel is run, right, by a bunch of white Jewish men, right? Okay. They're the ones who have the foresight to say we should bankroll this, right? Now, hold on, now, why, why is it that it took somebody who's not necessarily black per se to say, you know what, we need a black superhero, and then we're going to hire a black director? who can then take that story and bring it to life. Because if you think about it, Black Panther right, is a story that resonated with a lot of young kids, irrespective of race and color and background, but in particular the black communities, because it's the first time you saw a superhero being portrayed in that fashion, in the big screen. Right? Now, I think it's a bit concerning because we, we speak about creating opportunities for black people, right? but that doesn't necessarily mean that black people are the only people creating opportunities for themselves. Right? Obviously, the narrative is like we should be advocating for more collaboration amongst black people. Black people. Yeah. However, when I think of the most successful story of last year, Black Panther was bankrolled by a bunch of white producers, right? Who then brought in a black cast, a black director, to then bring it, give it more authenticity and bring that entire sort of collective um, spirit behind the movie. But when you think about the returns, right? That movie, I think, made 10 times its money, yeah. right? It had like a 100 or 200 million dollar budget. Yeah, it made more than 1.5 billion, mm-hmm. right? Those returns went to the Jewish uh, studio execs, yeah. right? At Marvel. So why did it take them having to see the foresight to see that, as opposed to, you know, a black person saying, you know what, this is the type of movie we need. Maybe it's because they had the platform. That's usually what people would say. Platform is what allowed them the opportunity to do that. But I guess what I'm trying to advocate advocate for or sort of show is that it's not only black people creating opportunities for themselves. In many instances, you see a lot of people from other cultures creating opportunities for black people, right, because of the platforms they have. Right? And that, a lot of that has to do with foresight. That's my argument. Right. So do you think it's a positive or negative thing? Is that what you're... No, I think it's, it's, in a way it's a positive because what they're doing is they're giving opportunities. My only concern is why is it that we don't have people of, of color that are able to then build these sort of machines themselves? Right? Because that's really what we're advocating for is more black-owned production companies yeah. that can then do that. Because if you think about the cast, the directors, all of that, all those people are black, right? But ultimately the shareholders are not. So. Yeah. But there's I mean, a disconnect with that one I don't know if I completely agree because I don't think that the white um, pro- uh, producers were all of a sudden like 
oh, sorry, the white studios were all of a sudden like, oh yeah, this would be a great idea. I feel like it was black people that championed it, you know, like the directors and I don't know, I don't know who else, but I feel like it was when people started to talk about like, oh, black culture is actually cool. That's when they were like, okay, yeah, then let's go for this because there's this whole market that we've not tapped into and I think it was that driving force that led to that not necessarily them that came up with the bright idea to do it I I disagree with that a little bit and here's why so think of it this way look at hip hop culture hip hop culture is the most influential culture in the world in terms of Mm -hmm. its ability to influence what people dress what people listen to the poetry all of that right Mm -hmm. but look at when hip hop started like in the 70s right and look at where it is now. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Mm-hmm. How many hip-hop stars and artists that have come throughout the ages from back then till now actually own something of substance? How many of them own their masters? How many of them own companies, right? If you look at people that have really monetized hip-hop, it's people that don't look like us, per se. Right? The people that, and by that, I mean people that own the actual rights to the hip-hop mm-hmm. art itself. We're the ones that create the art, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with Black Panther. The art, the direction was created by a black director, right? The set uh, and costume is I'm just going to say I'm just going to nerd out for a second (laughs) (laughs) the main reason they introduced it is because they were planning to get the end game so they have to introduce Black Panther (laughs) (laughs) so it wouldn't make sense if they didn't do it Foresight. Yeah. Foresight. That's my argument. You don't have to see beyond today. I don't think it was more a matter of like, oh, like, let's create these opportunities. I think it was just like, we have the MCU, we need to get from point A to point B, you know, let's introduce Wakanda and Black Panther and all of that. I don't think they really, I don't want to get, okay, I feel you want, they were, they did a good job, but we give them that much credit and we don't want to jump into that one. Like, I mean, there's foresights too, but I also have to have, it's like, if you already have the established capital yeah. and, uh, and, and power to be able to make this kind of um, just uh, make things happen, and that to me, that's why black empowerment is important mm-hmm. because you need to be at the table to make these decisions. Sure. Yeah. If there's only one person at the table and you're not opening the opportunities for other black people, mm-hmm. you are not going to be in the decision making. Uh, to me, actually, yeah. your point actually to me speaks to why we should be having black empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, really? So, for example, um, yeah, like that's, that's a perfect example. Even something as, something as simple as, say, real estate in Vancouver, for example. Mm-hmm. If you're not in the market, you you won't have a say in terms of when things do and shift mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's a very small small example compared to like a model, for mm-hmm. example, or just, but just any industry, you have to be, you have to be on the table. And if you realize, okay, these decisions are getting made by people that are not like me, do I have a moral obligation to bring up, not, not, not hand up, but like bring up, up people yeah. like me so that we can come, come up with a coalition, whatever you want to call it, yeah. not a coalition, but it's sense of like decision making, be there when the decisions are getting made and then you can actually have influence mm-hmm. and then you can actually have a black studio that can make a decision like, hey, we're going to do this whole thing. But mm-hmm. until then, but, but that's not what we, so we need to do our work as well within ourselves mm-hmm. to build each other up and not just be like, oh, well, I'm here and these people have all the opportunities. I'm just going to do my thing. It's like, no, you, that's why I, t- I think there's a moral obligation, again, mm-hmm. personally, that to be able to be at that level of making those decisions. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to tie to your blackness because that's a whole other oh, thing where it's like thank you. you want to like you want to you want black engineers you want black finance people in finance you want black bankers but not 
not just them because so what's the opinion on diversity mr whatever? yeah you know because that's a whole yeah. other thing yeah. that happens but, but you know let me ask a question yeah and this is something that really is sort of i guess dear to my heart is everybody saw what just happened with nipsey hustle right oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is the he is literally the gold standard exactly. for building your black community investing in your people buying the real estate in your neighborhood and he got killed by somebody from his own neighborhood. A black person that looked exactly like him, mm. right? So when we talk about creating opportunities, we, it's great because clearly that's what he was, that's his, that's, that was his life mission was to create opportunities mm. for himself, his family, and everybody around him. He was definitely, I think, the, the sort of the, the standard bearer for that, right? However, he got hurt by the exact same person from his community. Yeah, but I'm, from, so I'm, I'm just, I'm just yeah. putting it out there, right? And so yeah. one of the reasons why I'm saying that is because there's sometimes there's a fear of going back and helping people from the same neighborhood sure. where you grew up. Because yeah. you might be successful, right? You might go and you might actually make it to different heights that people haven't attained from the neighborhoods yeah. you come from, right? And Kanye said something powerful, actually, in like an interview. No, no, no. So you haven't heard it in a long time. Pre-2015? Pre-2015. But like, honestly, he talked about how classism is... Classism versus racism, right? Yeah. About how classism is the biggest war that we're fighting as opposed to racism. And I thought that was an interesting comment. It was very incendiary, but it made sense in a way because what he's really saying is people trust people that are from the same economic class as them, that speak like themselves, like that are educated like themselves. It's really a class thing, right? He, that's his argument, is that people make decisions on who to let into the room who, based off of where you're coming from, right? Do you talk like me? Do you speak like me? Do you identify like me? It doesn't. It, now it's less about race and more about what class you come from. And that's his argument, mm-hmm. right? And if you think about America, like 1960s to like now, I would make the argument that, you know, in the 60s there were clear laws that did not allow black people to participate at all. Now it's, you know, 50 years later, and those laws don't exist, right? But racism exists, we all know that, right? It's a real thing. But is it as much of an issue as it was back then? Probably not as much, because the world's more integrated. You've got uh, the first African-American president that came into power. All these things have happened that have slowly helped change perceptions. Right? And that people are people, right? Ultimately, um, class is often a much bigger dictator of like how people behave in many ways. I would argue that because the neighborhoods you grow up in, the neighbors that you have, a lot of that's just linked to the economic class that you're in. Yeah. Right? And then the opportunity I, that you I, want I, to give out. Okay. I don't completely agree with that. And one example of that is Monique, for example. If mm, we okay. know about the whole yeah. Netflix thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the argument was that she was offered five hundred thousand dollars to for a two year contract with Netflix. Mm-hmm. She can't do any stand up. And she reached out to the black community to say, stand with me and boycott Netflix, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And her deal was crap. But Amy Schumer and all these other people who are also in the same class as her, because a lot of people would class Monique as a legend, a comedic legend. But yet, why is it that, you know, a white woman who's a comedian in the Mm -hmm. same class as her got like 13 million or if I'm not wrong something in the millions and she's getting 500,000 and cannot do other stand-up shows cannot do anything I think race played in that oh for sure for sure I don't doubt that but I also think she was not as much of a box office as she thought yeah but I would I would say that her resume and what she could do in the future would be able to speak to that because someone like Dave Chappelle who Mm -hmm. also got a lot of money um, for his Netflix special, he hadn't done a lot in the past few years either. But if he wanted to, he's still, he's still a big Yes, yes, but I'm saying, like, they based it off of his resume.
resume right. yeah. what he's done in the past yeah, that's true. so someone like Monique was selling out arenas too and she had a lot of movies Precious all those other things but it wasn't lining up with the same um, measurements that they used to measure. resume is pretty deep to be yeah I think it's past classism yeah. and actually more race. But hold on. Like, right. Remember we talked about collaborations of black people supporting one another? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest issue with Monique is she pissed off the wrong people. Who did she piss off? Oprah, Tyler Perry, <laughs> and Lee Daniels. Those are the three people no, who blacklisted her. No, but you're making her point. Because, exactly. Because she's talking about classism. Mm-hmm. Because I think with black people a lot of times, when we talk about like, oh, invest, like, you know, build up and, and, and all these things, it becomes a matter of black capitalism, mm-hmm. which I don't think is the solution to creating a more equal society. Because we talk about like, we see from the lens of like, we're living in a capitalist society, we're living in like a white dominated society. Capitalism is not, mm-hmm. in the way it's set up, it's not meant to help us. It's meant to maintain a power structure, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about like, oh, it's solely like, you know, it's just a class thing. Let's just increase the minimum wage. Let's just do all these things to like make sure black people are making more money. That's not going to solve people still having a racial bias. That's not going to solve yeah. racism. That's true. You know, yeah. we still are going to have to struggle with living as a minority in a society which is white dominated, mm-hmm. and we're still going to have to struggle with that. So that's an issue. That that's important. But as you say, Oprah, billionaire, Lee Daniels. Very rich, you know, producer, filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, very rich. You know, they have, are, are basically part of the black bourgeoisie, their whole power. Right. And they were able to reach that point by appealing to the white, dominated mm-hmm. capitalist society. Mm-hmm. And they've internalized a lot of those norms. Mm-hmm. So they became, because they've internalized that, they were able to be like, okay, Monique, you're not appealing, appealing, appeasing to us. You're not, you know, doing this free promotion for us. We're gonna blacklist you. Mm-hmm. They did that to her, and mm-hmm. that in itself is a form of it's a, it's a, a perpetuation of that um, classist, mm-hmm. elitist um, act, those actions which are which white people came up with. Mm-hmm. They do that to maintain their power. And mm-hmm. Oprah and Lee Daniels and Tyler Perry continue that. So that goes again into like, it's not, classes is an issue for sure. It's mm-hmm. tied to race and all of that, but we need to move beyond like the black capitalist, like I'm tired of Jay-Z saying, gentrify your own community. Like, no, that's not the solution. Mm-hmm. It's much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're looking at like, mm-hmm. we're looking at being disadvantaged and we're looking at living in capitalist society. How do we come up with a solution which serves us? In a, in a better way, which we care about each other a lot more than just like how much money you have and mm-hmm. you know making money is going to solve all your problems. I'm mm-hmm. happy you brought that up because yeah. like even in the black community, we find black people like going against each other, like right. Americans making fun of Africans, like yeah. we're both black. Like what does that like that doesn't make any yeah. sense? Yeah. Like uh, like one time I had someone like uh, like ask me from the states like mm-hmm. would I consider myself a black person? I'm a, a, like you know, which is which was crazy because I said I was I introduced myself as Nigerian, yeah. and because I'm from Canada, she uh, the person was assuming we didn't deal with the same struggles mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, but they, it had no ill intent when she asked. Mm-hmm. But I just asked her the simple simple question. I'm like, looking from a distance, 
if I was walking down the street, mm-hmm. would you be able to tell what kind of black I was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would it be able to? Would you be able to separate that? And like another like topic I like to touch on because I'm a black person who grew up in Fort McMurray, so mm-hmm. like by definition I'd be considered whitewashed or whatever mm-hmm. like this. Like I still had that same situation, probably a little bit even worse because. I didn't really have a lot of other black people to relate to growing up, mm-hmm. right? So I had to, like, deal with people saying some crazy stuff all the time and then find a way to make that funny. You know, it's part of the way, part of the reasons I became a comedian because, like, I had to think of my toes all the time because mm-hmm. how can I make you feel stupid for what you just said without looking like the angry black <laughs> yeah. man, you know? <laughs> so, like, I had to find a way to maneuver that kind of stuff because a lot of times I'd have to go home very upset, talk to my mom, and my mom was like, look, they just don't know. It's just what it is, you know? Yeah. Like, that, that's what I mean. And again, even within the community, we have people like, you know, always like, oh, we don't want to hang with him because, you know, he's, he's too white. Or like, even the African community, like, oh, he's so, he grew up here, he doesn't know his culture, he's too white, blah, 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 mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Like, it, the, the problem is a lot deeper than we like to admit. We're like still looking outside, we're not really looking on the inside first. If, I'm, if you guys get what I'm trying to yeah. touch on. So yeah. like we're we're being segregated by everybody else, and then we're also doing it to ourselves yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. which is crazy, right? Like yeah. we have people. I have family in the states, and they just look at Africa. You would think a black person in the states would understand that. Yeah. Calling an African a Afri- like African booty scratcher would be crazy, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Why is that? Do you think that? we still have that mentality where it's like there's the other type of black people. It's the same reason why white people make black people like, oh, we're better than these guys. And, you know, people in the city, at least we ain't Africans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This kind of sucks, but like, I, like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to say like, it's easy to look and judge from a distance, yeah. but like, this is the same shit that everybody's doing. Everybody's, I'm not trying to define anybody. I'm just like speaking on my behalf. It ain't right. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like, we need to all literally change the way we view each other yeah right yeah. like you know it's you, an identity yeah and Africans yeah. like I don't want to be like I'm poking in there but Africans be like yeah we're educated you guys you don't you guys don't know where you come That's from that kind of stuff yeah. it's, so, it's so stupid yeah, yeah. right yeah. like you know like yeah. my dad like uh, I don't want to put my dad on blast talking rubbish about like Americans like you know rapping and stuff like that like my dad he's like he's a big fan of rap like old oh, school really? rap yeah it's weird like he loves like Fela Kuti the old guys and then he loves like old school rap but when he sees like you know the young kids like even like from 50, 50 generation on he's like oh look at those niggas like you know I'm like dad you can't say that he's <laughs> like no look at all this rubbish you're doing like you can't understand the oppression they've been through yeah. to get out of what they I mean and then my dad would use the you know the Nigerian thing was like I came out of nothing and these guys have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But there's still systemic oppression. Like, you know, schools that have zero funding. Like, it's almost impossible where everybody in that neighborhood, it, the only way out is literally to probably sell drugs. Like, you don't know have any school, no dad, nothing in there. I'm like, dad, yeah, we come from a place where education is valued. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that, that is like your way out. Yeah. You know, if you, don't want, if you don't want to be in Nigeria forever, you better read that book mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, like, and then they're already in this place where there's still so much opportunities. There's no reason to be flying out of nowhere so like their way out their way to make money is either through basketball through music or through whatever the means i mean yeah like just ways to go to school and make that 
make that your way, but it's just not as popular. You know, in Nigeria, the main way out is education. Education is pumped to your face. Like, there, music, football. So, Dad, how can you judge them for doing what they're doing? You know, my dad was like, instead of them to read your book, I'm like, <laughs> like no, some schools don't even have books. That's, yeah, that's yeah. What I was going to say, that's yeah. true. a whole lot of things there. No, but that's why, like, to bring it all back mm-hmm. in, that's why I think we need more black people in positions of power, and they need to be doing more to open exactly. up Because yeah. that's how you change, up, you change the power dynamics where we don't have to then people don't have to fall to sports or exactly. arts. They can do anything they, they want. They have equal opportunities to go to school, get education, get a good job. And they don't have to worry about um, systemic racism. They don't have to worry about bias in hiring. They don't have to worry about having this degree or not even getting to the school they want because you know of of rate of. Um, um, schools wanting to maintain certain levels of like white versus black and all yeah. these things, right? Like mm-hmm. we need more. So how do we how do we bridge that gap, right? Bridge I think gap. that's that's really the only. Yeah. Okay, so I want to touch on this because this is like a it's a can of worms actually that we're opening up. So you, you said something very profound, which is this idea that you know everybody's looking for a way out. I think that therein lies the problem because what you just said is what we need is we need to create more opportunities. But how do you create more opportunities? Opportunities are created. Through leadership. Somebody mm-hmm. has to take leadership. Yeah, I think exactly. where we've been failed the most is black people, and this is across the board from Africa to it yeah, really is the leadership. leadership. Yeah. 100%. That's a fundamental 100%. issue I see. Yeah. It's like when somebody makes it, they become successful, they become the person that has an opportunity to then succeed and put on a lot more people, they make a decision. They choose either to do it or they choose not to, right? Or, you know, for example, they succeed. You know, in whatever endeavor it could be sports it could be entertainment that's actually another issue as well which is this idea that we can only succeed in sports and entertainment yeah right because it creates this sort of rat race where like all you think about is how can I uh, play sports right for example if you're in the states and you're thinking every successful person I know from my community has done this in order to get out right mm-hmm. but the reason why you're looking to get out is because you don't see other opportunities around you exactly right? but why don't you see other opportunities around you it's because from like a leadership perspective, there's no there's no policy in place to say, hey, let me advocate for these people specifically, yeah. right? So I think on the advocacy side, yeah. it makes sense because like, um, if you want to be a leader that empowers people, you have to create the space for them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But how do you do that? You could argue maybe quotas, right? Having like explicit rules that say you must you know allocate this number of spots in a room, right, yeah. for black people, right? 100%. But I also believe that there's a certain um, problem with that because oftentimes, and I see this, having grown up in Zimbabwe, I see this all the time, whereby we'll create, you know, opportunities or we'll create lists and quotas, but then we lower standards. I don't believe in lowering yes. standards. Thank you. Not, because Thank what that you. does is it sets you up with the burden of low expectations. And to me, that's, that's one thing my father always told me is if you want to stop a person from succeeding in life, give them low expectations. That's it. Like nothing else, don't impede their, you know, their mental capacity or anything. Just tell them that they cannot do better or that they can't do it and it basically stops them in their tracks because the moment you lower the bar, it becomes very tricky to raise that bar again. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's all about expectations right. and standards. Yeah. Okay, Sorry. Can I, no, no, you can go ahead. Yeah, I mean, no, no. Yeah. I think just there's a lot, a lot of things, but I think with that, I mean, I, I think part of the problem too is a lot of times these quotas, it's almost like they're like shortcuts to solving the problem so to speak because when if there's a if there's a reason where there's a fundamental discrepancy between black students or whatever versus white students or whatever people need to whoever the people I'll get to that Mm -hmm. go into like what are the fundamental causes for for this disparity Mm -hmm. too often people don't want to do that work they just like Mm -hmm. quotas 
Mm-hmm. And then it can also be weaponized against black people. Like, well, we lowered the bar for you, black people, or, or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But I think there, there needs to be a lot of work to be done as to understanding the whys. The why. Why is, you know, why? I think, for, for example, part of what you were saying about some people, some African parents, uh, would maybe they're like, how come these black people, there's all these opportunities? But if you kind of understand some of the cultural and historical context, mm-hmm. Not to make excuses, but just to have a larger pool of information for yeah. you to come up with an, your hypothesis, so yeah. to speak. I'm talking all like nerdy now, yeah. but that's just the way things work. And like, oh, I didn't like, for example, redlining. Like, growing up in Nigeria, I didn't know what redlining was in the states yeah. or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's yeah. one thing that not saying that 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 not, not saying that you know racism is is bad or is as worse as bad as it was before, whatever yeah. it is. But like yeah. the effects of something like redlining, till in terms of creating wealth and things like that till today, mm-hmm. that's a real thing. Whether we yeah. admit it or not, that's sure. a real thing. So, so, so the point I'm trying to make to that is like, I, I mean, I see what you're, you're saying about the lowering bars, but you have, to, you have to go deeper as to like, what's the education system like, what are the causes, and what, what are the barriers of entry for, again, black, people, black students in this case to mm-hmm. reach this standard. And then first of all, like, is this standard that we use in is that actually fair who came up with these there's so many questions that you, you can just start you start with questions question it all like you know what I'm saying so, so I think it's I see what you're saying but you also have to kind of hold that loosely like okay yeah why okay so sure you can drill the bucket why is it that that's the case then go further as opposed to like well if you lower they're just not going to make it anymore it's like you have to keep digging further if we want to but it, it involves a lot of work a lot of sacrifice a lot of time it's very nuanced it's very difficult. It's very difficult. So uh, sometimes it's like, man, that's a lot for one person to take. And then you're like, I'm just going to go do my yeah. thing, right? Yeah. But, and that's why I think there needs to be spaces for people who have some sort of social capital, whatever that looks like. Again, I don't think you can mandate people to do anything because that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But you have to kind of have it in you just like you want to do it and then, and then encourage each other. I mean, you can mandate, you can mandate it to yeah. a certain degree, for sure. Yeah, no, I, yeah, let me take that back. Yeah. yeah. You can mandate it for sure. But it's a mixture of mandate and yeah. also people's desire. To kind of, yeah, but that's yeah. kind of yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. For, yeah. for me, growing up, my dad has always said, if I ever wanted a position that a white person is going for, I need to be three times or four times better. Right. And honestly, yeah, it sucks. It's just the life that like I was raised in a way like, yo, my dad just raised me like this is the situation. There's no need to complain about it. You know, you need to be four times better. So if you can't get four times better, then I failed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the way the I was problem, raised. Though. I know it's a problem, yeah. but like, will I sit and complain about the problem, or will I become, right. bring myself to the next level, because I believe in myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like, in terms of even comedy, man, like, I'm literally the only black person doing it. Like, right. like, I, look, I had to grind myself to like, get to where I was, man. Like, like they, my girlfriend knows, like, I'd be out to like, the middle of the night to make sure everybody can see. I need to make sure I was working harder on being the best in what I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, not to, not to, because when you talk about lowering the bar kind of stuff, it kind of sparked that um, mm-hmm. conversation I had with my dad. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of black people, I feel like I'm going to say, I might even get in trouble for this, but like, you just need to prepare to like, die for that finish line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, you already know, like we're being discriminated against. Mm-hmm. So how about we buckle our boots up and be like, you know what? I'll give you no reason not to give me the job or no reason to not put me in the so position. That's still not enough. I know, <laughs> but sometimes yeah, money is money still, you know what so, I mean? So, but then the thing becomes like, we know this, yeah. generations of us have been going, working so hard to get these opportunities. Yeah. Are we still going to continue to accept the state of things? 
Or are we going to be like, okay, yeah. this system is not made for me. Why don't I take myself out of it and create a new system, mm-hmm. which is, is for me, right? But then it's hard. It's, it's hard. hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> everybody we has just need to, to start come together to do okay. that. I'm saying we don't, we don't start our own country. <laughs> yeah, we have to start like, our own country. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was saying, let's all move to Africa. Isn't what Issa Rae is doing, isn't that a form of that? She's created, you know, she's created a production company, you know, which features mostly black or like almost predominantly black people like of course like it's still within Hollywood yeah. which is a white dominated right. space but she's doing what she can right so I'm not saying like just a total like overhaul of everything <laughs> like you know because that's probably not going to happen because it just in sheer numbers and like how much power is held in white spaces like it's really hard to do that but in terms of just opening your own platforms, doing yeah. what you can to bring people up. Exactly. You know, I think that should be a thing. Like, as you say, like it's, it may not be mandated in law, but personally, I feel like you should do it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a personal obligation, not, yeah. not a requirement. I, I Especially if you, know, if you see these things happen. Mm-hmm. If you, you know see it, it and you know it's happening, mm-hmm. and you don't do it, you don't do what you can to, to make things better. I just I, I can't help but side by you. Right? I'm like, yeah. you know, like that you're like not to make a call, but like he's from Ghana, like that's you know, oh, like yeah. that's my guy. Like I'm Ghanaian, like I I was very proud to see how like I was like, oh damn, like you know, like this that's what's up. Mm-hmm. And then I watched a speech he was talking about how like he's really influenced by skateboarding culture and then I saw him post a picture of his design team as all white and and I'm just like Damn. Because <laughs> yeah. I think one thing you touched on which got me thinking really hard was just this idea of mistrust or even like us not necessarily collaborating as much as we could or should. Sure. Right? And I think a lot of that is linked to just people's lived experiences and then also the history behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we touched on it, like you have to go deeper, right? you have to go deeper to the root. And the way I look at it, what's consistent across a lot of the African American, black American experience, like just generally, right? It's this idea of you have like communities that are disjointed. And why are they disjointed? Because somewhere, some way, somehow, either colonialism came in or maybe there was slavery in this case, right? That came in and basically disjointed communities, yeah. right? Same thing with like the creation of countries. Why are there 53 or 54 countries in Africa? It's because a whole bunch of lines were drawn at a conference in Berlin where there was nobody at the table that looked like a black person, right? Like nobody played a role in that. So in my mind, it's like you've got this history where all of a sudden everybody's siloed. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the States, everybody's silent, right? Because then you've got people that were put onto fields, they were killed, they were told, you know, we're going to lynch this person alive, and if you try and rebel, this is what's going to happen to you, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, what happens years and years later when it's time for people to integrate, collaborate, do all these things? There's still that element of mistrust, which yeah. you would think by now, like, would sort of dissipate, but it, it exists in all communities, yeah. right? In all communities. And it's not even like overt, right? It's this idea that, okay, let me just stick to what I know. And if it's Virgil, maybe Virgil, you know, sticks to what he knows because that's what he knows. I know Virgil grew up around all the life. I'm just saying. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Maybe he just like, sticks to what he knows, right? Because he doesn't I, I, know. I get it, I get it but I'm, I still can't help. I'm like, you know what's going on. Like, you're in high fashion. Like, you see what's happening and you're trying mm. to enter streetwear. You know where all these... First of all, he's known for, like, like Off-White is known for stealing from a lot of black designers. Like, they steal all the things from them and they re- repackage it. So, he's actively participating wow. in 
um, maintaining that power structure and, and keeping people, black people and people of color down, right? So I'm like, how can you, like, that's just so, it like, honestly, like, it's so sad to me, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you want to go into, like, look at Obama, too. Mm-hmm. I love Obama, like, he's my dad. But, <laughs> but like, people, I, I get why a lot of black people in the States feel, have mixed feelings about him because they thought, they had a very different idea of what his legacy would be yeah, than mm-hmm. what he actually did. Mm-hmm. And I understand, of course, and the same thing goes for Virgin, that's why we're going to like, not everybody's built for that. Because mm-hmm. Obama, you know, had to kind of, kind of hold himself back and kind of appease himself to conservative, white conservative um, evangelicals to be like, hey, I'm one of the good blacks, I'm one of the safe blacks. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything to make you know you feel comfortable. He had to like overdo that, and so even true. when he That's slightly true. turned the other way, they were like, oh, I, there he goes, yeah. like you know. Yeah. How we do it? Yeah. <laughs> what was the response to that? Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, mm. you know, I get that, but at the same time, like he could have done a lot more. Like if we're just being honest, it was hard for him. And Virgil, Virgil should do a lot more. Kanye should be doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. All oh these things gosh. are going on, right? Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I say, like, if you're in that position, you know what's happening, do what you can. You know, like, it's, it's simple. Like, you don't have to do some, like, massive, you know, you don't have to pay everyone's student loans off like that billionaire did, but just yeah, do something, <laughs> you know, and do something which puts other black people down. Yeah. All I'm saying is, remember what I said before, like, you can be the champion of the people, but you can get shot like Nipsey. Nipsey was the champion of the people. No, but for there's no better example. There, there are like yeah. 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 Like, when you see a shining star that's shot, like you're literally looking at a star it, that's it's shot, hard. It's, hard. it's, it's hard. painful because yeah. you're like, man, this guy literally did as much as he could. That's true. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, like, I, I, I struggle to see any other rapper that's done more than that man has in terms yeah. of me too. For community, yeah. I have yeah. not seen it, right? Right, right? So it's like when it's, um, I think it was a, Steve Harvey said this the other day in an interview. He's like, we can't have tomorrow if we keep killing our todays. Right? Yeah. And I thought that was very profound. I was like, oh wow. Like, basically what we're doing is we're not allowing ourselves to see the future, like yeah. foresight, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I question you quoting Steve Harvey because I think he's, <laughs> he's problematic he's too. Because just bringing Monique back up, when she yeah. was arguing yeah. for for her right and like right. what she thought she deserved, yeah, no, he was right. like, Monique, that's not how you do it. You're the true. you're the bigger, you know, mm. black woman. Mm. You need to talk in, you know, small what? voices and you know, that's kind of what yeah, he meant. Yeah. So yeah, I, disagree. I disagree with Steve on that one. Like, was, yeah. That's the thing. It's like we say that, oh yeah, we have to be loud in, in fighting for what we want and for black people coming up, but at, at the same time, you have to play this game still yeah. because we're not the majority. Yeah. And so you have to like find that fine balance. And I think that's where a lot of people just, at some point, they just want to give up yeah. and be like, I made it. Okay, let me just, yeah. like, I need yeah. to look out for my family at this point. Yeah. yeah, like, because if I rock the boat, then I'm going to be on the side. Who am I going to help? Yeah, I, you yeah. know? So, like, what else? I'll admit it, because I know I go a little bit, like, extreme, but like, I'll admit it to say, like, <laughs> I'll admit it to say, you don't have to do something to help others. Like, I don't think, especially if it's hard or, like, I, I want to be sensitive to people's situations and like be like, okay, like if you're in like a, a job and you're trying to like, you just got in and it's like a precarious position and you know, mm-hmm. I get that. 
but just don't do things with shut doors down. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's where like I will mm. be more passionate about mm-hmm. like right. looking at, you know, people like Virgil and Kanye, like what mm-hmm. they do and be like, no, like that's wrong. So yeah. I'll amend it to say that. The bare minimum, just don't do that. <laughs> Anything else is extra, that's cool. But like yeah. Yeah. So the crabs in the barrel barrel. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. I think another thing we haven't even touched on is just consumerism. How do I think how many black people know where to buy everything. Like, think about everything we're wearing. How many of us know where we can buy the same products that we're wearing right now on our bodies that are <laughs> created by another black person? It's hard. Like, how many people actually know? Like, for example, you own a clothing line? Is that yeah, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Oh. Right? Like, how do, we, how do we make sure we're consuming more of those things? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, right, like, I look at it from an economic perspective. You also did eco, right? Mm-hmm. The circular flow of income. One person's consumption is another person's uh, income, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to spend for you to eat, you got to spend for me to eat. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how the world goes around, mm-hmm. right? So until we can actually say, like, you know, these are all the options in front of us, because mm-hmm. the options are there. It's just, it's not easily accessible or in a way that mm-hmm. we can easily sort of, act, um, sort of, um, not just access, that we can easily um, interact with, mm-hmm. right? That's really the, I think, one of the keys is just awareness is one, and the other piece is just the convenience of it, being able to access it easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just touching on that, I was listening to this podcast and um, the guy, like, it was two guys talking and one of them was saying that his friend is a rapper and he was close to, it was in the UK, he was close to becoming number one on the charts. He just was missing like a few album sales or something. And he was like, you know, he's a black guy. I want to support. So I haven't even listened to really like delved into his music but I just wanted to buy a couple albums to you know take him to that level and then someone else was arguing that if if I don't like someone's music why would I buy it just to see them move to the top so what do you guys think about that like is it is it all about merit or is it like we just want to see black people at the top because that goes to your point about lowering standards right because it's all about like do you just support them just because they're black or do you support them because they good. actually deserve yeah. what they're getting? And also, do you support them because you're actually interested in what they're Yeah. Doing? But listen, I'm sure every single one of us can think of an amazing time as a black person exactly. that's been overlooked. Exactly. We, yeah. But from any, any race, any culture, any background, we all know this. There's the person that should have been a professional soccer player that didn't make it. There's the person that should have been a professional or whatever that didn't make it. There's always an example of somebody who should be in a certain position that for whatever reason didn't quite get that opportunity. And I think that's sort of what we're speaking to, right? It's because there are always brilliant people of, um, of any culture. I think there's like a saying, if you know like the company in Nigeria, Andela, that trains developers, one of the founders, Inolua, he said this quote um, in one of his talks. He said, brilliance is evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. And that's why he created the company, mm-hmm. right? Because the opportunity for you to become a developer and do this coming from Nigeria, it might not be as accessible to all those kids. Sure. But he believes that brilliance is evenly distributed, right? Mm-hmm. There are 10 million you know, or a million Zuckerbergs in Nigeria. You just need to be able to distribute that opportunity and some of them will flourish, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a bit of a, a tangent on what we were discussing. I, I think that, to me, that's like just spot on. That's what this whole thing is, the opportunity. So how do we yeah. create that opportunity in, in mm-hmm. if we want to make it like wider? I think, to me, that's like the, the point. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we, or how do we, how does that opportunity flourish? So is it those who have the opportunity providing an opportunity for others behind them? Or do we have policy to ensure, like, I think that's actually spot on. I don't think it's a tangent at all. It's mm. great. Policies, I feel, like would be a good, strong backing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, everybody who loves to support the black situation, but then when it's time to support the black situation, yeah, everybody yeah. kind of, like, pieces out on it. Yeah, so, like, yeah. to, to get out of where we are, we need help from 
allies, allies yeah. outside mm-hmm. people for, who aren't black, right. which right. is just, you know, the way it is. Because, sure. you know, to be able to climb out of that barrel, like I was speaking out, you need an outside hand to pull you out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Nah, in terms of like, you know, getting out, we need help. <laughs> yeah. 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 True. I'm always kind of like no because like, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. So when I, when I hear help, I kind of cringe a little. Yeah, like, make like, advocate. Uh, advocate. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm Let's sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just, I'm, I'm not saying for. I'm not saying for. <laughs> 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 no. But yeah, yeah. It's because it's uh, I think advocate because I think it's important. That's what I was saying. Like there's a there's a personal responsibility like as an individual, and then that goes into like a community level, and like again back to what you were saying, it being so fragmented and fractured. It's like do we see what we bind into? Like, <clears throat> even like, say, black culture, like, want to support. If you're like, oh, yeah, if you have this auspicious damn mentality, yeah. then it makes it harder to even just come up with like a consensus to be able yeah. to, like, okay, let's empower and provide opportunity, right? Yes, so, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we should also, as black people, stop asking each other for discounts. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank and you. I'm preaching to myself oh, on that. something deeper it's like knowing your value right so it's like how do you how do you know your value when you don't have the bargaining power right it goes back to what you were saying before about Beyonce and how like she you know Reebok stepped to her and they were like hey we want you to be a representative of this brand and she's like no because she knows her value right she knew that okay if you don't have people of color that look like me that can actually influence this product that can shape the vision that I want I'm not interested in this right but that's because she knows her value right she has a certain value that is steeped in the industry she's probably top right mm-hmm. yeah so She's able to have that leverage, right? But how do you ask the person, the regular person on the street, right? Oh, that's trying to build his career. Mm-hmm. How do you then go to the promoter and say, no, I want leverage. I want, you give me this, give me this, give me that. Yeah. Like, how do you do that, right? Because until you have the track record, nobody's going to give you the leverage, right? Yeah. So it's a bit of this chicken and egg problem we have. Yeah. Because we need more people in positions to actually, you know, create opportunities yeah. and build things of value. So then that way, when it comes time to the high stakes yeah. of high value opportunities, we then have the leverage to negotiate. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, wrap it up. Yeah, I yeah. think we're good. We're, we can just end. Oh, okay. We'll do a separate talk show. But, okay, yeah. cool.